An increasingly violent serial rapist strikes Detective Tutuol's old neighborhood, which is Harlem, where the daughter of two of Finn's childhood friends becomes a fatal victim. Her brother's persistence helps uncover the evidence needed to solve the case. This is Twisted, a Law & Order SVU podcast. You are now listening to Twisted, a Law & Order SVU podcast where we recap and break down past episodes of Law & Order SVU. You can hear us out on Spotify, Anchor FM, WordPress, or, and, or any other streaming service. And now, here's your host, Brian Rose. This is BD Rose, and you're listening to the Twisted, a Lord or SU podcast. So, we know your weekend is over with, and oh, yeah, by the way, um, did, did y'all watch the Super Bowl last night? Oh, my goodness, that was so good. I mean, the LA Rams are the Super Bowl champions, and they almost lost a game for a second, though. I mean, it was behind like twenty to sixteen and all that stuff, and um, yo, and then next thing you know, they scored a touchdown and like um, minute and change left, and then next thing you know, Bengals had the ball, and then all of a sudden the guy gets sacked. Game over, man. Shoot, I mean, LA almost blew it though. I mean, I mean, and I'm not, I, I'm rooting, I'm rooting for the Rams though. I ain't rooting for the Bengals and stuff like that. You know, I want to congratulate the Bengals though. They'd be like, um. It's a couple years ago, there was like the worst team. Now they in the Super Bowl. They're trying to close the chapter on trying to be number one. But they got short change. You know what I'm saying, though? And a lot of celebrities was on there and shit like that. I mean, there was like um like Chris Tucker from Rush Hour. And they got like um other celebrities and all that stuff. I mean, they can't watch the bowl. But I didn't, I didn't see no Sendai or stuff like that, though. So the Super Bowls in the books, you know, the Rams won on their home turf. And just like the Tampa Bay Bucks, though, they won the Super Bowl on their home turf. So we had this was good we had a good time though. Now, let's get into some law and order news. All right, uh NBC just gave out maybe a couple of promos for the the re- return of the original Law and Order. Just like the other podcasters said, the original recipe. You know, they got the whole cast standing in the courthouse, and then they show a preview of an upcoming episode. I mean, as a matter of fact, they had like two promos on there because they're bringing the show Law and Order back, and then it's going to be a lead into the other Law and Order spinoff shows like SVU and, and Organized Crime. And I also read that the, the crossovers between these three shows are a possibility. But we'll see what happens, all right? I'm not talking about Andy Cole to watch what happens, but Andy Cole says watch what happens live, but it ain't live, though. So this is a pre-recorded thing, though. Now, uh, oh, yeah, by the way, I forgot, though. Did you saw the... Um, 
Uh, you saw the you saw this the car commercial, something like that though. They oh, it's like a Sopranos reunion. I mean, they got like Metal Soprano and AJ. They hugging each other at the end of the commercial, and in the beginning they played the Sopranos theme song. I mean, oh, when I saw that, I figured I thought it was like uh, the series of Sopranos was coming back. I mean. It show you know the theme song they have like uh SVU going out of the city and going riding through the highways with a turnpike getting into Jersey and stuff like that. And and we see the Soprano kids all grown up, metal AJ hugging and stuff like that though. And uh yo, I wasn't expecting that though, because I thought um there was gonna be revivals of Sopranos, but I don't know what it is though, but hey. And uh, and then I also seen the Super Bowl commercial with Zendaya promoting Squarespace and something like that. But but the most important thing is that they um, has like a Soprano reunion, some sorts on this little car commercial. I forgot what it was. Was it like uh, Oldsmobile, something like that? That should be. I don't remember what. I don't remember what car commercial it was, but it played during the Super Bowl. Is uh, they they playing Sopranos theme song and then you got like, a, a, like a, someone driving through the highway turns out to be Metal Soprano though, so that's played by Jamie Lynn Ziegler or something like that though, and the guy who played AJ was like uh, Robert Eiler, and they both had a they both have a podcast together. I think it was called Pajama Party or some shit like that though, and I've been listening to that podcast, so it's like um. I know I haven't listened to it for the past couple of weeks, so but it looked like a damn Soprano reunion. And thinking about that, if they bring the Sopranos back, they're gonna have Meadow as the mob boss or some shit like that. I don't know what it is, but but anyway, now this um today's episode, uh, we're gonna be dealing with the Harlem Predator, and I'm not talking about the movie The Predator with Arnold Schwarzenegger though. This is the sexual predator in Harlem, yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, and yo, man, that happens. Fest happens to be Ben's old neighborhood, and you know, Ice T's character is got a mostly central part of the story, though. At first, it was best in Stabler, but it turned out to be Ben's little case at the end. So, let's go and play this episode. All right, um. This is um, Law and Order, SVU, Season 3, Episode 4, Rooftop. And it aired on NBC on October 19th of 2001. So this is the fourth episode of Season 3. And let me give you a brief synopsis of the story, right? It's um, right now is a series of um, sex rapes are happening in Harlem. Detectives suspect an HIV-positive sex offender by the name of Leon Tate as a suspect but when he drives thousands of the drug overdose more victims has died the attacks continue as more victims die so and uh finn's childhood friend's um sister is one of the victims and her brother wants to find justice so we're going to be dealing with the finn centric story right here because all these sexual assaults takes place in harlem all right so I'm gonna call this the Harlem Predator. I mean, I'm, it's, I'm taking it from the movie The Predator, you know, with the movie with Arnold Schwarzenegger in it back in the 1980s. You, do you remember the movie The Predator? So you, you got a predator out in Harlem now. 
it's just serious though. I mean, and we ain't talking about the no um uh roster dude with the mask on, all right? All right, so you get ready for the story? All right, here we go. All right, now um we need a cold opening right now, and um and we see a, a couple kissing on the rooftop of this um apartment building somewhere in Harlem, and it's nighttime. So the guy who was kissing the girl, he is identified as Leon Tate. And, you know, he's making out with a girl, and then he was getting ready to have sex with her. So he takes her to another spot on the roof, and they're about to do, they're about to do the wild thing and all of a sudden. And then his female partner hears footsteps. And uh, Leon was like, wait, wait, what's the matter, man? You want me or not, though? And then they kiss again. Next thing he knows that she hears she hears some noises again. And Leo was like, "Why are you stopping for? What you want me or not?" And then all of a sudden, you hear this voice say, "Surprise, Leon!" And it's Stabler. And um, and they and then a couple of they they look they look at Benson Stabler, and the girl was like, "Who is that?" And Leon responded, "It's the sex police." <laughs> Benson and Stable show up and they arrest Leon because and, and it turns out that um, Benson knows that he's already been out of parole and Stable knows that he is a registered sex offender. So, <laughs> so next thing he knows that um, they uh, they come in and, and, and they try to arrest Leon and then Benson asks the girl what's her age and then she said she was fourteen. And Leo's like, oh, you're a lying bitch. I mean, y'all thought you was 18. And then Sabler, though, he brings, he informs his uh, female partner that he has HIV, he's HIV positive. And the girl was like, it best to have the pirates? And she was about to hit him and shit like that, like that. And then Phil was like, yo, whoa, 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 yo. Then, you know, Benson Sabler, they, they arrest him for, like, a attempted rape or something like that, though. So Sabler comes up to the girl, and then she was like, uh, was he about to have sex with you? And the girl was like, tonight went about my first time. So, um, okay, so um, now, who's this? Now, who's the actor that's playing Leon Tate? Man, listen, the, the young ladies feel me. It's not my fault. It is if they're jailbait. They want to pleasure me. Who am I to stop them? If you infect them with your HIV, it's their problem too, right? Look, man, you, you, you ambushed us before I even had an opportunity to tell her. I have protection. Her protection is me putting you back in your little cage. Yeah, that happened to be um, Dorian Mystic, and um, I think he had like movie roles in uh, Shaft and the Manchurian Candidate, and I think Freedom Land and Two Weeks Notice or something like that, though. So I don't know if he's an A-lister, but he plays a uh, Neon Tate, um, so uh, you know, a registered sex offender out on parole. And he be sweet talking and seducing these young girls, stuff like that. Though, he's like a cast a Harlem Casanova. And um, one thing you're showing about that he was um, making out with a girl who turns out to be underage. I mean, I, it's a shame that these um, young girls they, they want to lie about the age to have sex with a man, something like that. I mean, what's wrong with these girls? But I mean, but, but I mean, come on, why can't they can't find, find someone in their own age? I mean, because I mean, come on, y'all. I, I I don't even like that with woman lying about her age, right? Because she wanted to lose her virginity and all this stuff. I mean, this was wrong, but it's still the man's fault because he messed with an underage girl. 
But I mean, come on, yeah. I mean, she could be wrong too. I'm not gonna say, it, but that's wrong. Now we go to the opening credits, and then we, and then we're in the beginning of Act One, and then Leon is being interrogated by Stabler, and Stabler just doesn't like this guy, man. I mean, he was like, um, and Stabler was asking him this stupid question, like, how how long have you been having sex with women? And Leon, hate responded. Yo, you will lock me up again, and um, and then next thing you know is I mean, Stable went hard on this dude, right? Because he wanted he he wanted to put him away for just for good though, and um, he tell him that you was good. He tell him you were be affecting the one with your HIV and stuff like that. And Leon defended himself, saying, "Though I I got protection and all that stuff. I mean, I was like, I didn't have him told it yet. I had protection." And then Stable was like, "The only protection I have is you're, is going to be put in a cage." I mean, he's gonna be back in jail, stuff like that. And Leon was like, "Yo, I would, I'm gonna, I ain't gonna say nothing to my legal aid gets here." <laughs> I mean, Stabler, man, he just being so harsh on uh, Leon Tate. Oh yeah, by the way, I just want to let you know that Tate is like um, white boy's name. You know, that's what my cousin said. Though I'm not gonna say that that though, but um, somehow you know it's like. Um, Sabler, I mean, he just 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 doesn't trust him and stuff like that. I mean, he because he he's out though. I mean, he he just um he just wanted he just wanted him behind bars and stuff like that. Because and Sabler tells Tate that he doesn't like him. I mean, Stabler is a damn asshole, man. <laughs> he is he, he doesn't like him, but please. Hmm. Oh so we outside um you outside interrogation room and then cabin and Kring are listening and watching all this stuff though. So um so they talk about uh, they talk about Tate, Stable comes out and um he's um he he, he just tell him that some Cabin was thinking of he that he's gonna she might think about like filing charges against Tate or something like that though. And um so and then she and Cabin also, and then Craigan says that they're gonna bring Wong over this though. So it's like um, they already know that he's like he Saban knows that he he's a sexual predator. He's out of parole. He was about to have rape rape a woman, affecting her with HIV and all that stuff. So Cabin was like, "Well, I'm gonna work on a warrant, see if we can get some evidence and all that stuff though." So, and then Craig was like, "He's gonna get Wong." So as soon as Cabot leaves though, um. And then Craig has a pep talk with Stabler. And Craig was like, I didn't tell you to go follow Tate so he was out, though. And Stabler defended himself, saying that he saved a life tonight. I mean, I want to keep an eye on him and anything like that. So, and then Craig was like, though, we got to find another unit to follow Tate around, though. I mean, he didn't, he, he wasn't, he didn't authorize to just follow Tate and stuff like that, though. And then Stabler comes in his defense that he saved a life tonight. Because I mean, the guy, you know, the guy was trying to affect a, a teenage girl with HIV and all that stuff, though. And C- C- Craig and tell Stabler if we have to wait, the cabin gets a word, and he tells them uh, Stabler to don't do anything unless cabin says slow. Are we clear? Stabler doesn't say nothing. So um, we cut to the courtroom and cabin's talking to this. Um, her boss or something like that, and then who we got a repeat offender. 
Who's this guy playing um something like that to her boss? We can't charge Leon Tate with a crime, so you want to lock him up in the mental institution? The Supreme Court in Kansas v. Hendricks upheld states' rights to commit sexual predators after their prison sentences. Yes, Kansas and 16 other states have laws specifically for that purpose. New York does not. We can use the existing mental hygiene law. All we have to do is prove Leon Tate has a mental illness that poses a likelihood of danger to himself or to others. We really want to risk trying to set a precedent with this case. Leon Tate is a sexual predator with HIV. I think we have a responsibility to protect people from him and others like him. All right, um, that happens to be um, late Ron, Rob Liebman. I hope I say it right. Rob Liebman. Yeah, Rob Liebman. Yeah. He recently appeared in uh, season three, episode one, Repression, playing um, Cavus Boss, Samada, something like that. I mean, I mean, see, let me double check over my, my, my notes here. I mean, I, I think it was, was it Lamada, something like that? Ron Lehman, he played, um, it's, I think he played district attorney. Um, I think it was, um, Lamada, I don't know. All right, anyway, um, it's Lamada, I don't know what it is. So, anyway, so. So okay, so um, this is his second appearance on SBU, and he's like Cabot Superior, what you call it. So um, it turns out that they're in the courthouse right now, and then they're discussing about um, I would say Leon Tate, and Cabot tells her boss that Leon's a sex offender, and he had intent to affect the underage girl with HIV and all this stuff. So. Hopefully, you know, they say they're going to work on getting the evidence to get a secure warrant. And then that's about it, though. All right. So um, we we back. We're in um squadron right now. And then Ben, Benson, Sable, and Munch are discussing about the the underage girl and who was identified as a victim, you no know, wannabe victim, Mashika Morris, right? And Ben was like, you know, it, 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 if a girl wants to have, to have sex, that's her business. So, but according to the guy, he he, he is still is still wrong for what he did. In other words, Ben's got a point though. I mean, it's just um, turns out she said he he mentions that the girl consented though. So, but it's still the man's fault. And Ben's got a point. I mean, it is the man's fault if it's race statutory rape or not though. I mean, she consented. I mean, and then Ben was like, that was a business. But you can check out Ben. Yo, check this out. Ben, right now, this is the first time. Ben is like in dressed down business casual though. Cause I mean he's not wearing he's just only wearing a shirt and slacks. But you know, in the previous episodes, he's wearing a suit and tie while doing the investigation. So this is like the first time and as we see him like in the doing business casual and stuff like that. So it's like um and he's been doing that throughout the series, you know. I mean he's wearing he's wearing uh no 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 ties. I mean, it's, it's throughout the rest of the other seasons, though. He's going to be walking around with no tie, just a button-down shirt, and that's about it, though. I remember when I used to work for a law firm, you know, they had this thing during the summer called Dress Down Fridays. And it's like, oh, no, no, in other words, Business Casual Fridays. And you say you come in with no tie, but you still have to wear a collar shirt and some pants and some um, jeans, pants, and no tie. So they usually do that, like, every summer, like, on the Business Casual Friday, something like that, though. And then I've been working at that law firm for 15 years. And I mean, I was an outdoor messenger, and then I got promoted to mail room, then a floor messenger. But personally, though, that's like a job that will lead you to nowhere because I have my inspirations on being a filmmaker like Spike Lee, but that hasn't taken off just yet because 
I mean, I hear what Hollywood be doing to these people in the business and stuff like that. So, I mean, this is just a safe side, you know. There's other options. I mean, in the industry is rough nowadays, you know what I'm saying? So, and it turns out, so anyway, you know, they they, they have a conversation about the girl and then and then they know that that, that and Finn was like, she consented, uh, that's that's on her. And Stables was like, though, she's a minor. Everything is, she says is irrelevant. And then Cabot comes in with Dr. Wong, right? And Cabot asks what's going on. And Mush was like, they're having a family disagreement. So anyway, you know, they're trying to go forward with this little thing. And Dr. Wong says that um, Leon has like a anti-personality disorder or mental disorder or something like that though and um he has he knows his actions we know he was doing was wrong but he just doesn't even care well that's the point so however though uh, cabbage says that they they wanted to have a meeting with the judge and stuff like that and Sable's like i won't miss anything anything for the world so we're in the judge's office somewhere it's this black woman saying she's a judge and she they talk about leon's tape something like that they said they wanted um because they they say that he had protection when he was trying to have a sleep with a have sex with a minor, but he didn't know that she was a minor because he thought the woman was like eighteen and over and all that stuff though. But the, and then Stabler and the judge had debatable about about Leon being charged again as a sex available offender. In other words, he wanted to get locked up. But the judge decides that he won't set up a hearing unless there's proof that Leon was planning to have unprotected sex. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, Leon said that he had protection, but he didn't even mention it to the girl. But what was what was wrong for him? But it was wrong. He was just trying to deal with the minor and stuff like that, though. So we back in the squad room right now, and then turns out that they got they get a call saying that a fifteen year old girl has been sex raped in, at a rooftop in Harlem, and um, Benson is. And then um, Stabler and Benson, they said it was on the case. But Benson decides to stay behind because she has a court date because he got to do some paperwork and all that stuff, though. So Ben takes her place. And Craig was like, all right. And then as soon as the Stabler leaves to go with Ben to go to the hospital, Craig tells Stabler, I don't want you to pin Leon Tate to every incident or something like that. And Stabler just ignores him and just goes about his business. Okay, we're at the hospital right now. And then you got us a 15-year-old sister. She says that she met this guy that he said he was a producer and he sweet-talked her. And the guy was named was Andre. So much as Finn is listening in about that. So it turns out that the guy named Andre, he wanted to make her a star. He was like a producer or promoter. He was going to make her famous and stuff like that, though. But she thought, and then she fell for it, and the next thing you know is that he assaulted her, and then, and it's crazy, stuff like that. And the young lady also mentions that Andre was a love machine. And then Stable was like, the love machine line? I heard that before. But here, she said that she met a guy named Andre, right? But she mentioned something about the love machine, and Stabler assumes it was Leon. What was what, wait wait? What was Stabler thinking, man? What was he thinking? He was like, um, though was it was it Andre was Leon Tate's alias and some shit like that, though. I don't know, but it doesn't make no sense. 
she was raped by a nigga named Andre. And then Leon, I mean, it doesn't make any sense. So, I mean, there's two two guys, though. Leon and then Tate is a suspect, though. And I'm going to tell you, Tate is a white boy name and anything like that, though. So, I don't know what it is, though. So, is there something going on? I mean, was uh, Leon was using Andre as an alias? I don't know. What you think? Okay, we're in Kragen's office, and um, Sable tells Kragen that as soon as he came to the unit eight years ago, which is 1993, he said he arrested for Leon for Lou Condor having sex with a woman and a minor or something like that. And Leon has his thing for these young girls and stuff like that, though. And he also tells him that Leon got sent to prison and he contracted HIV while shooting dope. So he assumes it was Leon. He'd be seducing the girls and he had this thing for like young minors, though. I mean, he's trying to and something like that. So Craigan was like, do you have any evidence? And then Stable was like, we got to get this guy. So Craigan was like, go ahead. Go keep my eye on him or whatchamacallit, something like that, though. All right, so um, we in the streets of Harlem, and then Stable sitting in his car, and Finn comes in, and um, Finn tells him that he used to grow up in Harlem back in the 1960s where they had the riots and stuff like that. And um, he, he and then he and then, and that was a time before his family moved down to Brooklyn and all that stuff, though. And... Um, he figured that sexual predator is like giving him like a bad name in his neighborhood, though. So we are talking about there's a sexual predator in Harlem and all that stuff, though. So I, I don't know. He's trying to attack young girls. I mean, he already got the first victim, and then Stabler assumes it was Leon because he's a registered sex offender. He's on parole and stuff like that. So I don't know what it is. So next thing you know is that um. Finn and Stabler, they spot Leon with another woman. So they come out of the car and then they confronted him. And then, you know, here's what happens. Yo, man, come on, yo, she's 17. I checked the ID. We didn't do nothing. Yeah, they do. What's up, man? The hood got you scared. You had to bring up the time with you. You didn't mean that. Yo, no, I think you just upset my party. You should apologize. Go ahead with that. Ah, all right, all right, all right. I apologize. You know, Kesson over here is HIV. Is that the truth? Oh, man, don't, don't don't believe him. No, is it the truth? Yo, I got protection. I don't care if you got a bulletproof vest for that thing. You should have told me. Now, there she go. Ooh, 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 ooh. How dare you call Finn and Uncle Tom? Oh, man, you assaulted Finn just like that, man, nigga? Oh, my goodness. So, <laughs> And then, you know, with Leon and his, has all his damn prizes and all that shit like that, though. Oh, my goodness. And you know how I see how the man handled that nigga right there, though. I mean, so. <laughs> and then, you know, and then, you know Leon uh, threatens to sue them for harassment and all that stuff. And they was like, it's all about you. It's all about you. It's all about you, Leon, though. I mean, Leon said he has his rights, so I mean, he. I mean, he could, he wasn't planning on trying to kill anything like that. So, I mean, whatever, though. So, they spend and stay arrest Leon for that. Trying, he trying to assault a woman. And, oh, yeah, by the way, um, they informed his female partner that he got HIV. And then, and then, um, and he, and then, he, and then, and then Leon said he got protection. And his girl was like, I don't care if you have a bulletproof vest. You should have told me. Well. Anyway, okay, so 
we in a lineup right now, and this is one of um, Leon's victims. I mean, she's all bruised up and stuff like that, though. And um, she couldn't um, ID so Leon's on the lineup, so she couldn't ID anyone in the lineup. Lineup, and Leon is there, so she steps out though. So and then another victim comes out. I mean, a fifteen-year-old girl with a black eye. I mean, she he, she couldn't see anything, but she said uh, uh, she'll. I know who it is. Is she? Her eye gets better or anything like that. So, and stay. And Cabot comes and tells Craig and and and, and the crew they had to cut Leon loose. I mean, Leon is a suspect, but but two women couldn't ID any Leon or anybody else in the lineup. So, Leon is let go, man. And the act made fade to black, and the act one and all that stuff though. Okay, so um, now we go to the fade. We have to act two right now. And um, Ben gets a call. It turns out that another teenage girl has been raped. But this time, she's dead. She's been raped and then mur- raped, murdered, and then burned and thrown off the roof. Hey, yo, man, that, that suspect is getting intensifying right now, though. And Stable comes in the scene. Turns out that. Um, Turns out that um that he so Sable asks Ben what happened and Finn tells them what happened was that girl was burned and thrown off the roof after the perp yeah, raped her and all that stuff though. It's, oh my goodness, this is crazy stuff like that. So in that scene and then she was identified as um fourteen year old um I think it was um I mean I mean Marie. It's a fourteen-year-old, something like that, and then you know, it's um, her brother comes and he he is angry, he's pissed off, man, and he was like, "What are they doing with little sister?" Something like that, though. And Ben said, "Tells Stable he got this." The cops and Stable and cops that he got this because he he remembers um this guy. I think it was um, that's the girl's that's the girl's brother. It's like um, and his name is um. We got yeah, it's, yeah, it's 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 the it's the young girl's brother. She's like fourteen and years old and all that stuff though. So, and um, Ben remembers him because he he grew up Ben grew up with his mother and something like that. So, they so uh, they decided to go to the um, you know the precinct and talk about this. Now, who's this actor playing um, the victim's brother? Dag up, don't don't disappear. Mom brought us up, but she died two years ago, breast cancer, so it was just me and Aisha. I was out all night looking for her. When did you realize she was missing? She went to the library to do a project for school, but when she didn't come home by 10, I just started calling her friends. Nobody saw her. All right, um, that happens to be uh, actor Todd Williams, and he's like a TV actor. He had roles on Third Watch, CSI Miami, Criminal Minds, 911, and All Rise. And he made his acting debut in a movie with Kerry Washington called, I think it was Lift or something like that, though. And check this out. He was born and raised in Queens, New York, and he started to study acting, and he wanted to do something in the music industry, but... He decided that 
it wasn't working out for him, so he's sticking to acting and stuff like that, though. So, okay, so he plays Rodney Thompson, and his mention, I mean, his Finn's, um, Finn's childhood friend and something like that, you know what I'm saying? That's like, and because he knew his mom and all that stuff. So, anyway, you know, I forgot to mention that Dr. Warner said that, um, he has a, the, 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 the victim who was identified as Aisha. Aisha Thompson, right? She's like 14 years old. She said that she died of ligature strangulation after she performed oral sex on the perp. So could it be Leon? I don't know. And you know, you got to love Tamara Tooney. I mean, Dr. Warren. I mean, she's always there at the crime scene when you need it, though. Okay, so we in the priesthood right now. We're in this um, uh, conference room, and Finn is talking to Rodney, and... Um, he asked him how he doing and all that stuff. He how you holding up? And Rodney tells Finn that um, you know his father probably killed killed himself, and then next thing you know, her, her mom died of cancer, and then he my father died. So all he had was his him and his sister Aisha, and uh, he always well that's all he cares about. And Finn tells Rodney that we're gonna get the performance streets where he's where he's not gonna be harming and killing any more girls. So we we outside the room, you know, it's like interrogation, I don't know what it is. Outside the room, a cabin and Craig is watching though. So um he, so it turns out that um he had Leon is missing. So when Craig wants his files to be unsealed and all that stuff though. So Cabin says that um he dealt with the court that courtward council he dealt he deals with his uh, files. Maybe someone maybe um Maybe the person remembers him, right? So, Fader Black. Now, we're in the office of the um, corporate counsel, and they got a guy named Burke Ferris. It's, it's a white dude with the glasses, something like that, though. So, um, he, 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 and then, you know, it's like um, Leon, he, he, and Mr. Burke, he tells Stabler that Leon is a troublemaker since he was seven and stuff like that. It's just that um, he got some, and, and he been getting arrested for a lot, a lot of times, and then trying to get his files and stuff like that, though. But um, he he and um, Bert wanted um, um, you know Leon to take to be locked up or something like that. They're charging like an adult stuff like that. But he said that judge mentions Judge Bleedenhart trying to give them immunity and stuff like that, something like that, though. But you know what Bert also told him that he, he says that. Um, Leon had be setting fires. His name was like Leon says fires. And then um, Bert says that nine of his 11 arrests were for arson. What? That that Leon likes to start fires and stuff like that? Oh, that is some, that is some crazy stuff. I mean, is uh, Leon becoming a pyromaniac? Dang. You know, I remember back in the days I was watching this TV movie about um, this is Gary Coleman. He be setting fires in the houses and stuff like that, though. But it was like a TV movie back in the eighties. I don't remember what it's called, but man, it ain't, you got Arnold Drummond, you know, little Arnold. He's setting up fires in the house, like he became a little pyromaniac and stuff like that. And he does a little brief PSA saying, "Don't be starting fires, or you'll kill somebody and all that stuff." So I remember that movie, but I don't know the name of it. But I remember that Gary Coleman was playing a pyromaniac in the TV film. Back in the 80s. I don't know what it is. Something like that, though. It's like, Leon likes to set fires. I mean, it's like, 
Beavis and Butthead, they want to experiment with fire. Like, fire, 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 fire. I sound like, I sound like Beavis now. And I didn't know the Beavis and, do you remember watching that show Beavis and Butthead where they did the cartoons that they be trying to play with fire and play with matches and stuff like that? They got to some controversy when what happened when some kid was set the house on fire that killed a relative and then and then they decided to cut the cartoons where they're making every fire references and all that stuff though. So if you remember that Beavis show Beavis and Butthead, you know, check that out though. Okay, we're back in the squad room and Stabler is talking to Dr. Wong. He says that Leon liked to set a cat on fire and see what it feels like and stuff like that though. And um and then, and then you know, Leon has his habit. You know, Craig is there, and it's like, yeah, he's like a power maniac or something like that, though. So, and it's like, um, Leon has his little habit. You know, I mean, yeah, I don't know if he burned. If he, I don't know if he burned his his victim like that, though. But Leon's like, um. I don't know, it's like to set up fires and all. I mean, he just takes them off because they say that what set him off is that following me or making him mad set up fires and stuff like that, though. So, Craigan wants the squad to go back, like, find a series of women who've been raped and a series of young women that have been raped in all five boroughs for the past 10 years. And then they had to track down his mom and then they had to get the prison records and the prison calls and stuff like that. Yeah, his mom and then his mom, you know, she moved to a different location. They don't know where it is though. But um if you if he's um if he locked up five years, you know he's got contact mom and stuff like that. So Craigan wants Munch to go go and find every young rape victim that matches uh Tate's profile Tate's MO, you know, as so it go back ten years because Tate likes young girls though. And then Trigger's like, let's see if you can sweet talk any girls just yet though. Okay, so um, we're at um, we're at um, Tate uh, Tate's mother's house, and Stable and Finn talk to Leon's mother though, and she says that you guys have been harassing him all along. I mean, she is pissed off and all that stuff though, and um, and next thing you know is that um, he get she tells me he got locked up is because there's some there's some young hussy pretended to be twenty one years old and and then put Leon in jail. It's like a seven stuff like that though. And Tate's mother, I mean, she was like this, um yeah, I don't she was he don't know where he is though. I mean now she tells him he got this HIV and stuff like that. I mean she tried to raise him right and stuff like that though. And um it's 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 and I mean she does care for Leon though, but now he walk around with the HIV and then she's she is worried because he is shooting up again. Yeah, you know, on that dope. You know, you know, I'm talking about smack, dope, heroin. That's all it is, though. So, next year, you know, we, uh, we're in an apartment hallway, and um, Stabler and Finn talk to the neighbor, and the neighbor's like, I can't do shit for you, and they close the door at them, though. I mean, the neighbor refuses to talk to cops and stuff like that, though. And then they, because they just simply ask him where Leon is, though. And then, then the neighbor was like, "I'm on my own business," and he was like, "I don't want to. Do, I ain't. I'm not. The, I'm not gonna help you." And then he just slammed the door on the face, and like he was like, "Get the hell out of my face!" And then um, Ben asked Stable, "What we gonna do right now?" And then Stable was like, 
No, Leon likes rooftops. Okay, so we had the rooftop and Spinner Stamler come out and Ben tells a story that, you know, he, he when he was living back in the days when he was living in an apartment crammed up with his relatives, they had to sleep in the same bed. And then he usually comes up here on the roof because he couldn't afford to go on a vacation because his family was struggling in poverty. So he goes up there on the roof and he calls his, he calls his little vacation spot. He calls it Ala La Rufa. And then he had to take a look at the building and stuff like that, though. And um, Sable tells him that he grew up in Queens and all that stuff, though. So he's not familiar with Harlem and stuff like that, though. And Ben was like, he, he, he wanted to get away. He he was just, just, just sitting there just thinking. And Sable was like, thinking about what? And Ben was like, thinking I want to get out of the rooftop. So Sable goes up to the climbs up this ladder to like the water tower, something like that, though. And um and the next thing you know is that um no well no not only that though, before Sable had to climb up though, and then he knows that um Leon would like to get off the rooftop too. And Finn was like, What you talking about? You know, he climbs up the ladder and guess what? Leon is found dead. <laughs> oh, and the heron overdose. And Stay was like, it's Leon. He took a taste and OD'd. And later on in the day, you know, we got the um, police is there. And Finn was standing over Tate's body and tells him that he would been, he tells him that he would have been dead for like maybe like 12 hours or something like that, though. However, though, I mean, police is there, Stable is there. This is a crime scene. Turns out they taste found dead of heroin overdose. However, they get another call saying that another team is found dead in another building. So we go to this other building and you see Dr. Warner is there. And she tells Benson and Sabler that um, the young lady was hit by a brick. And she got the fingerprints so they could get like the. Um, like ID her and something like that. ID the purpose, something like that. And so Stable assumes that it was Leon that does that thing. And Dr. Warren was like, could have been Leon Tate. And Sable was like, what are you talking about? And Dr. Warner tells Stabler that her body's been rigor, been probably been dead like this since this morning. And tells him Tate was dead by last night. Oh, <laughs> now the case is back to square one. And Stable was like, I wanted to be Leon. And then he says, that the oh my goodness and um Benson was like though it fits his profile and then Sable was like though another girl is dead because I went down the wrong road <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah you fucked up <laughs> because he's such a Sable was such a dick in this episode because he thought it was gonna be Leon but it turns out that Leon died like like late last night before the girl died. So Leon's ruled out as a suspect. And another perp must have done this. Oh my <laughs> I can't believe the second stable gotta be so cocky and be a damn jerk all of a sudden. I mean, cause um he assumed be Leon because I mean you guys like a sex offender just got released from prison a couple weeks ago and he's back on the streets trying to sexually assault young girls and burning them and stuff like that though but 
There is a twist in this story. It's not Leon. Another perp did this. So we back to square one, right? Okay, we're doing we let's do the second half of the story. And we in the precinct right now. And um Leon's mother confronts the cops and he blames they she blames him for killing him anyway and stuff like that though. And then and and, and then next thing he knows that um then comes and then Sabler is doing his job and something like that. That's what Craig says. And then his his mother says that he didn't kill those girls, but you killed them anyway. And Finn was like, though, he on the defensive saying that he was about to affect people with women with his HIV and stuff like that, though. But it doesn't matter to her. She knows that her son didn't do this, though. And it's, it, and then you know they say Sable did, and you know Finn was back to Sable alone. And he say he was just doing his job, though. But and the mother was like, y'all people stick together, huh? And then she walks away. And you know, um, Finn, Finn, and Sable thanks Finn for backing him up and anything like that, though. And you know, he just says that he, that he, he want he, 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 that Leon has a thing infecting women with HIV, and he didn't even like that either, stuff like that, though. So, <clears throat> we're in the squad right now. Dr. Wong is there, and then they look at the pictures of these young black girls who are being victims and stuff like that. And um, they already know that the, most of these victims are probably young, black, well-educated, and never got into trouble. And Dr. Wong says that um, the perp is smart, attractive, and well-educated, and he probably kind of a woman to force control or something like that, though. That's all it is, though. So next thing you know is that um, Roddy comes in the squad room, and he is pissed, though. So Finn was like, yo, I got this. So Finn comes over to Roddy, tell him that well, we made, they made a mistake. They're going to find the killer right now because because um, the guy who they thought was a suspect is dead, though. If we're going to find we're going to find this other guy. And Rodney, and, and uh, he knows that he's just losing his patience because he wants justice. He wants just he wants he wants that killer, and just he wants that killer too. So, Ben was like, "Yo, we in the same hood, we in the same color, something like that." Though, so Rodney leaves, and all of a sudden, Ben's um, colleagues, you know, they getting ready to get, they getting ready to break out of the squad room. Make Benson, Stabler, Munch, and then Sable tells Ben that do you have a, a we have found another victim. Oh man! So okay, we at the outside of Harlem. We are on the rooftop of the Harlem apartments, and turns out that another girl has been found dead on a, another rooftop. So you know, Doctor Warren is there, and she covering the body, and she she Doctor Warner tells the detectives that she died of a strangulation and stuff like that. Though, uh, oh my goodness. And you know, they know it's not Leon. I mean, the perp is still out there, something like that, though. Okay, we cut to Detective Munch talking to the landlord, and he remembers the victim as Tina, and she's like a teenager or something like that, though. And the landlord tells him that um, Tina's family is that they're never, never late with the rent, and then they, and then they always keep their house clean and order, everything like that, though. And he tells that Tina's mother works. Works as a works at night as a nurse, and the father works on Coco's ships, and they're trying to reach him right now, though. So, 
He is so. It's just our ladies and never she and then Tina was a sweet girl and stuff like that though. So it never just happened stuff like that. So however though, the, um, turns out that um, it, he that then the landlord tells him that Tina's mother is downstairs. So okay, um, much and no no no. Okay, so we got um, we got the much and Finn though that they talk to Tina's mother. And uh, she tells them that she sent Tina to the store last night for some food. And then she works at the, she works at the graveyard shift at the hospital and anything like that, though. So, and she's sad that uh, Tina was gone or something like that, though. So, Finn tells Munch that um, Tina was at the corner store last night. So, we go to, we, okay, so guess we check this out, though. We go to the grocery store and then the detectives they talk to the clerk hey yo we have a who's that guy right yo he's like a familiar face i don't know if you remember him but who's that guy playing the store clerk on that show i was getting ready to close you coming with anybody nah some guy did come in behind him and started talking it's him uh, this guy had a shaved head and no beard you ever seen him in here before? I just started working here last week. What did they talk about? I didn't hear. But they was talking and laughing and stuff like they knew each other. They left together too. Yeah, that happens to be Jermaine Huggy Hop Hopkins. Did I say it right? Jermaine Hopkins. Yeah. Yeah, he played Sam's in the movie Lean On Me with Morgan Freeman. Do you remember that movie? It was released back in 1989. I was like 12 going on 13 back then. I mean... He played a high school student who got expelled, and then he was brought back to pass the test and graduate, something like that, though. I mean, <laughs> I remember, I remember seeing when um, Morgan Freeman playing Joe Clark, and he confronts uh, Sam, and he telling him to commit suicide by jumping off the roof <laughs> because he was uh, smoking crack. And he was like, go on, jump, 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 jump. And then you know, Sam's was like crying and stuff like that. Like, no, please, I want to go. I was out the good and stuff like that. Yo, <laughs> yo, let me say, Joe Clark was like, you smoke crack, don't you? You smoke crack, don't you? And then he went to do, do to you. It kills your brain cells, man. Something that kills your brain cells, yo. Go about killing yourself. If you want to go kill yourself, don't fuck around with it. Go and do what you gotta do. Now on, jump, jump. <laughs> Guys, Joe Clark was such harsh and cruel, man, in that movie Lean On Me. I mean, I like that movie Lean On Me, man. I be watching it over and over and over and all that stuff, though. Okay, so... <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's Jermaine played Sam's in the movie Lean On Me. And then later on, he was um in the movie Juice when he got shot by Tupac Shakur. You know, Bishop and that. I like that movie, Two Juice. That came out in 1992. And it's been 30 years now since the movie just came out, something like that, though, I mean. And, you know, Tupac has been gone. Tupac has been long gone since, like, 96. And um, they got, like, um, Omar Epps was also in that movie, Juice, right? And so it was a good movie. And uh, Juice was a good movie. And then and Jermaine, he also appeared uh, had a, on the Wayne's Brothers. And he had a lead role in the movie Fat Beach when... He goes to the beach during the summer, and he gets ridiculed by girls saying he doesn't look attractive, and he finds the right one. So I think I've seen that movie um, 
maybe a couple of times though. That, but it was a kind of a bit silly or anything like that though. So, <laughs> so next you know is that um. So anyway, uh, Jermaine he plays a store clerk and he tells um Munch and Finn that he seen the girl Tina with a guy right and. He telling him he had like a shaved head and all that stuff, and then there was like flirting and stuff like that. That's all it is, you know what I'm saying? So um, next thing you know, we inside uh, the apartment building, and then much of been talked to the landlord, and the landlord was, was like, "Hmm, shaved head." He was one of them tenants went for the coupon look, and he shaved off his beard too. Couldn't even recognize him, so he shows him in the apartment and. He tells him that the guy his name is Malik Harris. So they knock on Malik Harris's door, and Malik he comes, opens the door. He got no shirt on. He got pants, and he and he was like, "Can I help you?" And uh, do you know a girl named Tina Lang, something like that? And then there's this girl's voice coming from the bedroom. She's like, "Honey, who is that?" And then Malik was like, "Nothing that concerns you." Yo, man, why you gotta talk to your girl like that? So like that though. So Malika bites the detectives in, and um, he tells them that his name is Malik, and he goes by the street name of King and something like that, though. And um, they ask her if he was with this um, Tina last night, and then Malik was like, yeah, I mean, girl should have been a sweet little thing. I mean, she, girl should be out there this time of night. And, you know, his girl, his girlfriend comes out. She puts on a robe, and uh, they was like, they were just having sex and all that stuff, though. And then... Um, she was asking, baby, who is that? And then next thing you know, he shouts at her saying, do you see I'm talking to the cops? Yo, man, why you got to get an attitude like that, nigga? Something like that, though. And then he tells him that last night after he, last night after he talked to the young girl, he was busy and stuff like that. And then, and he would, and then he next thing he knows that, um, what will ha- what happened when, um, you dropped Tina off? And then Malik was like, baby, you made dialogue. As she comes in with him, putting on her arm around her shoulder, saying, "We were busy," you know what I'm saying? <laughs> oh my goodness! You, she's probably she's probably covering up for him, something like that, though. So, so much of him come out of the apartment, and much was like, "Baby, you need dialogue, please." Next thing you know is that, um, oh my goodness, Ronnie is. And and his friends, they he they he they confront Funch and Finn or something like that, saying, "Hey, police are showing making up the show and all that stuff." You know what I'm saying? though? I mean, Ronnie got his friends backing him up, man. I mean, they get ready to riot and shit like that, and he calls a chaos and stuff like that. Finn was like, "Yo, much, I got this, and let me talk to you probably for a minute." So, and then, oh no 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 no! Before he got that, Finch tells him that. We they're looking for a killer and stuff like that. I mean, yeah, you just to be relaxed, you know. He Finn tried to control and defuse the situation with Ronnie and the rest of his friends getting all together because they want justice. Because they complaining is like um, that a lot of these um young black women are sexually raped and murdered, and, and media ain't doing nothing about it. I mean, it's all complaints. So. They tell, he tells the crowd to disperse, and then Finn talks to Roddy privately, saying, why you got to show up for anybody? And Roddy was like, that's my sister, man. I used to worry about her, though. So, everything you know like that, though. So, we in a precinct right now, and then doing um, Benson and Stabler and Crane doing a walk of talk. No, Munch is there. 
they doing walk and talk with Kragen. And it turns out that um, Kragen asked her, does Harris have a rap sheet? And uh, Munch was like, nah. He told her that Harris got hit by a car back in 1994. And he spent a year in rehab with his legs all damaged. And he spent the next two years learning how to walk again. That's what Munch said, though. So Kragen was like, hey, so anyway, um, Malik Harris was out asking for like three years. It turns out Saber tells him that um, he received some social security benefits or social, what do you call it? It was social security disability in, in, for, in 97 that ended in 2000. And at that time, that he, he was living in Detroit with his sister. So Craig was like, we're going to get, get, get contact the Detroit PD. Because it turns out that before that, Finn was... No, no, no. What happened was that Malik was hit by a car after the third murder. So they had to find out, or they had to check Detroit homicide, see if they have a rap sheet on Harris or anything like that. So Craig calls Finn to his office and they have a little talk or something like that, though. And he confronts him about them, Finn trying to badmouth in the media about this, though. And um, he tells him that if a white, if Finn gets this real race thing, he says a white woman is missing, everyone will be over. The media, a lot of people will be following over with it. Over it. When black girls are killed, there's only just like little media and no action. No, no one pays attention to anything like that, though. So, Cragen and Finn have like a disagreement, though. So, he tells Cragen that you're not black, you ain't from the hood. And next thing you know, he walks out of Cragen's office because this has anything to do with this, has something to do with race, though, because. The murder of young black woman is not getting much media attention. It's mostly ignored, though, because um, Finn, yeah, Finn tells Craig in here he doesn't know where he's coming from. It's all race thing because, you know, it's like they mentioned something about a, a, a young white girl, white girls getting killed, told the media to be all over it, and how the media ignores all the um, what's going on in the black community. So this has to race issue. Some of the, it ha, there is a race issue about that though. And it's not there. And, you know, we just fade to black as the end of act three. So, um, we in, um, act four, we outside the precinct and then, um, Munch is talking to Finn, telling him that, um, yeah, slow down, you know, everything will be all right though. And then Finn tells him, he gets in his car. He tells him that he, to, he gets in the car and much asks him where he's going, and Finn tells much, "I'm going to meet an informant alone," and then he just drives off. So later on, we outside somewhere in the street. Finn talks to an informant, and he tells him, and, and, and he's like a drug dealer or something like that. He tells him that that Harris gets like coke and heroin from his boys, and he tells him he tells him that. Um, Leak is like a wannabe music promoter, record producer, and but he doesn't have the goods. So he all he does is sweet talk with little girls, though. And if the girls rise up, he cuts them off, though. But he's just and next thing he knows that um, God tells Finn that he doesn't even like the guy. So turns out that the Harris has been getting drugs and buying drugs from his from the from a drug gang on a regular basis. So we in the courthouse and he and uh, Finn talks to. Cabot about Malik Harris and asking for a award, and he tells him that uh, Malik gets cope. He that he uh, talks spoke to an informant. He says that Malik is 
and is buying coke and dope on a radio regular basis. So he tried that thing, and he probably in the industry one of the record producers or something like that though, and then trying to make girls a star, but doesn't have the goods or whatever like that. And Cabot tells Finn, "Well, we're gonna get the." Um, yeah, warrant for the um, drug drugs and uh, narcotics possession. Everything else is gravy. And it's okay. So um, we in the recording studio, and you got this female rapper. Though, though she's doing, she's rapping in the back with the microphone. And she got her tits out. Nah, I mean, she's like some gangster rapper, something like that. Though, so so okay. Um, Malik is um, recording there, stuff like that. He's sitting there with a couple of people, and then Munch and Finn come in, and then Malik tells him. We're, little, we're in the middle of recording right now. We're busy, right? We're busy. And once you're like, yeah, you should be recording Jailhouse Rock. <laughs> and then next thing you know, we're much of Finn arrest the league Harris for drug possession. And Finn points to the email rapper, what you gonna do? Make her a star and kill her too? And then they, when they take him out, the rapper's like, yo, what's up with that? <laughs> yo, my goodness. That scene was short, though. I mean... <laughs> Yo, we're in an interrogation room right now, and Harris denies that he killed those girls. I mean, he doesn't even know. I mean, well, he's like, hey, you can't even you emphasize and stuff like that, man. That doesn't incriminate me and stuff like that. He going around be all macho, be all pride and shit like that, though. And much as Finn was like, we'll see about that. So they had to take Melise to get like a DNA thing. Okay, we're in the um, office. We're in Doctor Warner's room in the lab, and Doctor Warner is taking the DNA for his to prove his innocence, and then. Harris refuses to take a DNA swab because for he has religious reasons. And he tells um, Dr. Warner that he's a Jehovah Witness. And he gives her a wink at her. And Warner's like, that's it. I'm not going to do it, though. Is there, I mean, he has religious rights, though. And then, <laughs> and then Malik tries to, to sweet talk her, saying that we haven't met my Malik and stuff like that. But you know, much of Finn ain't having it though. That reputation thing, so I had to take his ass out. So we outside the building, and they try to take it to his car. And Malik Harris got this sunglasses, something like that though. And then they was talking about his religion, something like that. And Harris like we all worship in, in a certain way. Next thing you know, Spence slaps him upside the back of his head, like causing his glasses to fall on the ground. And yo, Malik was like, "Yo, man, what are you doing with my glasses, man?" man glasses, and then you know, I mean, um, all right, let me go again for you. And Finn steps on his lenses, <laughs> breaking it, breaking it. And I was like, Yo, man, that's just from Italy right now. I mean, we're good. and then Munch and Finn said they're gonna get fixed. It, yo, yo, that big French calls from Italy. And what Malik said, and Munch was like, We send our deepest condolences. And as soon as they put him in the car, so um. We're in down. We they a bunch of Finn goes see Dr. Warner and check this out. She finds DNA from the glasses that connects to Harris's for like eight murders and six rapes. Oh shit! And Finn was like, got him, and 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 then they both left. And you can see Finn is wearing a suit of tie this time because they're gonna be going to court though. Because normally you know Finn be be doing little business casual and shit like that though. Okay, so um. We're inside the office of um, this judge. I think it was called him um, Judge Seligman, and and you know you got Malik's lawyers there and Cabot is there, and and the judge didn't, didn't even like the 
that they, they, they didn't like the thing that the, the Texas Muslim Finn was doing with Malik when he broke his glasses. And they want to prove it in their DNA and stuff like that, though. And the judge decides that the DNA is out, and then the, the cops screwed up and all that stuff. Because DNA from a... They, 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 don't, they can't accept DNA from a broken frames and stuff like that, though. Shoot. Oh, my goodness. And then... Next thing you know, that we in the precinct right now. Sable says that no, 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 we ain't screwed up though. We they knew us, they, they they knew us as um, they, they knew us and all stuff. I mean, just decides to drop the charges against Harris and all stuff because of the DNA evidence and drug possession, something like that though. However, though, Harris will be judged with drug possession and something like that though. So um, they they decided that um. Harris is going to be charged with drug possession only, and then he has to go to court for arraignment and all that stuff, though. Okay, so we're in a courtroom right now, and um, Harris is there, and Harris, Malik is there facing the judge for arraignment, and then the judge decides to, you know, bail, send him bail for like $1,000 and stuff like that, and when Harris is dismissed, Roddy jumps up from the seats and he, oh, he's, he he hits Malik and all that stuff. He get, grabs him in a chokehold and he's mad because he knows he murdered his sister. And next thing you know, Harris bit him in his arm. And then, I mean, that was like, that was a fight in the courtroom. And then, yo, they have to separate these two and something like that. So, like that. <laughs> and then they drag, they drag Harris out of the courtroom and then and they have to arrest Rodney for assault and stuff like that, though. Okay, so later on we outside the street, and next thing you know, cops show up, and Malik and Malik is there with another woman, and it turns out that Malik he is arrested because again because he he, he had his DNA on Ronnie Thompson's arm because he bit out Ronnie Thompson's arm. It goes to prove you that yo he, he that he he is a real purpose so like that though. So next thing you know is that um, we inside um precinct right now. Cabot talks to Finn. And he's and he want asking him and Ronnie set the whole thing up or something like that though. About them about them uh, how about um about Harris is batting Rodney's arm, Harris's DNA on on Rodney's arm when he bit him and stuff like that though. If it was like, you wanna know? She was like, nah. Okay, so um we in the interrogation room and um Malik and his lawyer are there and the lawyer says it it was a setup. Cab is there. And uh, Finn is there saying, "Yo, I mean, Finn, I'm biting on because um, I didn't think so. She didn't. They didn't think it was a setup though, because Harris' DNA was on Roddy's blood when he bit him and stuff like that. So it's supposed to show you that he did it. He did it. And Stabler comes in, and um, and he has a file. Told you that he just spoke to Detroit police. He said that it matches um." Well, five homicide, four homicides, and five rapes while he was living in Detroit with his sister. And yo, that nigga is busted. He done though. Shit though. And um, Harold's are like, I want, I want a lawyer. Yeah, I mean, he's going, he's going to go to death row for this though. And Ben tells him, when, when they, when, when, when they try to execute you, I'll bring you your last meal. How's that? Native black and an episode, episode ends like that, man. So, ah, uh, that was a good episode, y'all. You know, I forgot to mention one thing that you know that the um, perv um, sexually assaulted a woman back in '93, and stable for it was Leon and stuff like that. But I mean, I don't know what it is though.
because he heard the love machine line and all over and stuff though well okay 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 so i'm gonna add a little things right now and since i can't find the uh, true crime true, true crime topic though i mean you be missing some of that though so i'm gonna do some research and um, where i see whatever i find oh yeah by the way i was watching the super bowl pregame show and they got like uh Anthony Anderson and uh, Jeffrey Donovan, though, they being interviewed by this chick, though, because they're bringing back the revival and stuff like that, though. So, and then Anthony Anderson that say that he contacted Dick Wolf at Wolf after he found out that Lord Order was coming back. So, and, and you know, they had a brief interview. I mean, I, I forgot to bring that one out, stuff like that, though. So, speaking about Super Bowls, you know, I remember I'm glad that the New York Giants won the Super Bowl. I mean, they won Super Bowl in 87, 91, 2012, and then 20, no, 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 see what, no, it was 20, 2008, then 2012, though. So I'm so happy that the Giants finally won the Super Bowl. I mean, that was like several years ago, but right now they play it like garbage, like shit. You know what I'm saying? Man. Anyway. Speaking about that, though, I mean, um, hopefully, you know, you set your DVRs about the Law and Order. Set your DVRs because the show is coming back on February 24th. I'm not going to be there because I'm going to be busy at doing at work, but I'm going to catch it on Peacock. And speaking of Peacock, though, they got the reboot of The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. And, and check this out. This is different. It's not a sitcom. It's rebooted as a drama. So, it's and then Will Smith executive produced. So, it's like you see, um, you know, man, you see after coming moving to Bel Air after coming from Philly, but this is like a dramatic tone. So, I'm gonna go check it out on Peacock. See how the new, the the new new fresh Prince of Bel Air is though. And you know, I mean, I don't want to watch those repeats where they be having the VH1 because they be editing some shit out though. But anyway. Now, I mean, and this, um, and one more thing I got topic right there is because, um, it was on my mind earlier, and this is a true, this is a true crime topic, and it has something to do with the Atlanta child murders. So, y'all remember that case back in the late 1970s saying that, um, like a dozen, more than a dozen kids disappeared in Atlanta between 1979 and 1981. And their suspect, there was like a dude, he had the afro and glasses. They say that he's responsible for the Atlanta murders. But even though, though he is accused, he declared his innocence, but he been charged with a crime he never commit, though. But did he really do those murders? Or the real killer is out there? Something's not right going on right here. I mean, they killing our black brothers and sisters like just like that, though. Our black brothers, excuse me, our black brothers. They ain't right, man. All this black on black times gotta stop though. So who is this real criminal behind the land of child murders? And you know, they made a TV movie out of it back in the eighties, but turns out that young young black brothers will be turned up missing and found out dead after their disappearance. And I mean that's it's some crazy stuff going on right here though. So hopefully you just do some research on the Atlanta child murders find out because that the purpose is probably locked up he's still innocent today though all right so um go to youtube and type in the atlanta child murders and see what's going on and stuff like that though
And you know, I mean, I forgot to tell you that HBO had a documentary out about the Atlanta child murders. So I don't know if this guy's innocent or guilty, but we'll see about that. Anyway, that'll be that's my time. That's my time right here. I want to thank y'all for listening, and I'll be back next week with a new episode. And episode fifty is coming soon. And by the way, I wanted to interview Neil Bear, the former showrunner of SVU. Hey. Is it going to happen? Somebody get in contact with me. Come on. I want to ask him a few questions. All right. So um, hopefully I just won. I just said it before weeks ago that I want to interview Neil Bell personally. And I wish I had like another interview. I wish I had another host with me and stuff like that. Because I mean, I'm doing, I've been doing this one man show and stuff like that though. But hey, please, I'm doing a good job so far. Maybe. All right. Then, um, so anyway, um, this has been Twisted, a Law & Order SVU podcast, and you can hear us on Spotify or Anchor FM and um, in, in the web, in a web browser. I think it was WordPress, and you can find it on my new new podcast thing called Reason or RSS. So, so I'm trying to expand expand my, my horizons and stuff like that. I'm a big bird, you know what I'm saying? All right, so um, I want y'all thank you for listening, and I'll be back with a new show next week. Hey, have a blessed day.